Welcome to the 3D Parent Podcast. My name is Bevan Walters, your host and founder of The 3D Parent. I'm a certified parent coach and have spent the last decade living my calling in life, helping parents navigate the tough stuff like tantrums, sibling conflict, screen time overload, and managing the transition into the teenage years. My purpose is to provide you with the tools you need as a parent to lead with dignity, direction, and deep connection in your family relationships. My goal in creating the 3D Parent Podcast is to inform, empower, and increase confidence in parents so they can trust their instincts and make the best decisions possible for their families. For these reasons, I've rated this podcast FPEO for parents' ears only. Parenting is challenging, but you don't have to do it alone. Hello, and welcome back to the 3D Parent Podcast. Today is another question and answer Q&A episode where I am answering three questions sent in to me from listeners just like you. I would love to encourage you if you have any questions to send them my way so I could answer them on a future Q&A podcast. Um, Today, the first question is from listener Sheila and she writes in, eating out with my kids is really rough. The only thing that keeps them quiet is iPads or my phone. Can you help? And I can say, yes, I can help. And also I have been there. First and foremost, is it the end of the world to once in a while hand your child a device or pack along a device for them to use or watch when they are at a restaurant? It's not the end of the world. It happens. And sometimes you kind of are out of juice or you don't bring other things to keep them occupied and or maybe you really need to have an adult conversation. So once in a while, no judgment, zero judgment. And if you've done this for every time you've been eating out with your children and that's why you feel like you need help, then I'm here to help you. I've got your back. I've been there and I've also gotten stuck in this routine of handing my young kids, especially their phones or my older kids who have their own phones allowing them to use them. And um, we had to kind of dial back and come up with a new plan. So what we did in our case was we, first and foremost, my husband and I, we decided to bring along an alternative. So if we were not going to be providing them with phones or their own devices to use at restaurants, we figured we needed to give them an alternative. In our case, what we have done is we have packed an activity bag And we actually break this out at more times than just when we are at restaurants, but definitely at restaurants, it's really helpful. And the activity bag is full of coloring books, pads of paper, um, stickers or sticker books, crayons, markers, uh, pencils, word puzzles, trivia cards, and some Sudoku puzzles, things that kind of would occupy and interest the range of ages of my kids and keep them busy and occupied. Also, sometimes I throw in some Uno cards or some other playing cards to have on hand as well when we're eating out at restaurants to have something to do while you're waiting for your food to still have an opportunity to have activities. Some of them can be things you can do together, like the games or um, playing things like, you know, old school, tic-tac-toe and hangman with your kids, introducing them to those games while you're waiting for food. Instead, always handing them some type of a device. So this can be really helpful and I would encourage you to, before you even go to a restaurant, to let your kids know that, you know, we're not going to be breaking out our phones or bringing along devices when we're eating out at a restaurant this time. 
Instead, we're going to bring along this activity bag of fun activities. And I encourage you to pack that bag and to keep it packed. And they only get to color in those particular books or play with those particular markers or do those particular activities when the activity bag is out. And that makes them special and will make them more interesting for your kids. When you break it out, they'll be looking forward to it as opposed to grabbing something and may have already done a lot of a lot of you know coloring in a lot of the pages of the books and it's not really that interesting to them anymore. Make it be special. Make it be something that lives in that activity bag that gets taken out at these types of situations. That can be a big help. Another couple key tips. You don't have to like go to the restaurant, immediately plug your kid into an activity. That's kind of something that you'll do instead of handing them a phone or another device. So my first tip would be to engage with your kids and have conversations, talk about things, play, I spy, things like that, where you can be engaged with your kids. Sometimes kids get into trouble in restaurants because we're not really focused on them. We've kind of turned our attention off to our kids and instead maybe we're engaging in conversations with the other adults at the table and we kind of lose focus that our kids actually need our attention and our direction, especially when it comes to how to behave in a social public setting like a restaurant. Another thing I want to suggest is that if you have a very young child who is starting to lose it, who is starting to scream or yell or really wild, give them a break. Not to punish them, not to make them feel bad or shame them, but just to recognize that sitting at a table or a booth without anything to do or without food can be really tough on the little ones. And you have to obviously be respectful of the other people in the restaurant who are there to have a good time. But you can also set yourself up for some success in taking them to an environment where it's maybe not so quiet and that would make you feel even more like worried about annoying other people and more likely to pull out a phone or device to keep your child quiet. So if you're going to uh, maybe a restaurant or a spot where there are families, where there's some background music, you don't have to be quite so on high alert for your child and listening to make sure that your child is not making noise or being um, obnoxious. The other thing, my last little tip on how to make dining out with your kids more pleasant, it would to give your request from your server that you have the bill brought as soon as they bring the food. That way you can pay for everything and uh, have a quick exit if your kids are starting to lose it. Again, in an attempt to avoid sticking a phone in our hands or another device. So I hope those tips are helpful, Sheila. Um, again, we've all been there. And again, if once in a while you give your child a device or a phone and decide you're just going to kind of have a conversation with another adult or just give yourself a little peace of mind if you're there with the kids by yourself. You know, we've all done it from time to time. If it's something you're doing occasionally just to kind of give yourself a little break, that's fine. But I am glad that you wrote me so that I could provide you some alternative ways to try and make the dining out experience less stressful and maybe more fun. My next question comes from Michael. And his question is, what are your thoughts on making kids share? Another great question, something actually that I have talked about quite a bit with my parent coach practice. It's also something I did a little segment on the local news program where I do a parenting segment occasionally on our local news show. So sharing, should we make our kids share? If we have little kids and they're playing with something and there's maybe a sibling or a playmate who is over and they see a toy and they want that toy. Sometimes parents feel kind of panic. What should I do in this moment? Should I make my kids share the toy 
Should I make them, you know, should I enforce like a rule in terms of a time limit on the toy? Should I make my kid give it to the other child if they're maybe younger and don't know better? Like, how do I navigate this, particularly when there might be another parent there and we feel a little bit like under the gun to come up with a solution? A lot of parents feel like, okay, I should make my kid share. I should say, you can play with it for two more minutes and you have to give it to the other child. This might seem shocking, but I recommend that you not do so. Sharing is not something that should be forced. If you think about real life, sharing is not something we do typically. If I walk up to my friend and I really like their watch, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's such a cool watch. I like it. There's no expectation now that my friend should give me the watch. There's no expectation that now she has to share the watch because I've observed a watch. I think it's cool. Maybe I want one just like that. So now she has to give me the watch. This is not the way that we behave in normal everyday life. And when you force a child to share, what ends up happening is it backfires. First and foremost, if a child is actually engaged with a toy, for example, and all of a sudden you force them to share the child or put a time limit, you have to share with that child in two minutes. The child no longer really cares about playing with a toy. They just want to hold on to this thing because suddenly it's become an issue. It's become something that they have to kind of hold on to because they're going to lose it. They stop playing and engaging the way that they were before. And it just kind of backfires. The other thing that forced sharing can lead to is hoarding behaviors where kids are less likely to share because they know, oh gosh, you know, if I play with something, they'll show too much interest in something, then somebody else is going to want it and I'm going to have to give it to them. And so then they're going to start kind of collecting things and hiding things and not even playing with things, being almost more focused on collecting things to keep to themselves because they are so focused on not having to share. So I encourage you to not force the sharing and create a bigger problem. Also keep in mind that young children, children under the age of three, cognitively, this is something they can't even begin to comprehend or understand. So by forcing a young child under the age of three to share, for them, it just, it makes zero sense. They're in an age and stage of everything they see belongs to them. And this feels like a huge breach of trust to force something out of their hands. It's not something they can understand. And again, it ends up backfiring in the ways I've already mentioned. As I mentioned, I don't want you to set time limits either, because again, that will promote a child to focus on the time and how much time they have left and not actually enjoying or playing with whatever they're doing. So instead, the alternative is I suggest that you do say to your child who may be holding onto a, to- a toy that another child or a sibling wants to play with, you say, when you're finished with that, I want you to give this other person, this other child a turn. So there's no time limit. You're basically setting up the expectation that they will give a turn to the other child when they're finished with it. But we've not put in force some type of a pressure, a time limit saying you must share at this time or you must share right now. We are implying and communicating that you will be sharing, but when you're done with it, when you're when you've moved on. And again, if we're dealing with a young child, their attention spans are not particularly long. They're usually done playing with something you know, in five minutes, sometimes even less, sometimes a little bit more, but it's not something that they're going to be keeping themselves and interacting with for hours and hours and hours. So the other child will get their turn. So we're respecting, we're acknowledging the other child wants to have a turn. We have already communicated with a child that has the desired item that they will go ahead and that they will share it when they're finished. 
And then typically what happens is the kids all kind of forget that there was this item of high interest. They've moved on to something else. Maybe the child who didn't get the thing immediately is a little sad, but that's okay. They can deal with that feeling and process that feeling and then have help finding something else to play with or find something else on their own. But when the time is kind of passed and it seems like the first child is kind of done playing with that thing and you recognize that, you can kind of help make that happen and say, oh, it looks like you're done with this toy. Now it's so-and-so's turn. Or you could ask the child if they're old enough and are able to kind of like answer these questions. You could say, oh, are you finished with this? And if they say no, then the expectation is they're going to continue to play with it actively, not just to carry it around and hoard it, but they're going to interact with it. And when they're done, then we're just reminding them that the other person is going to have their turn then. But oftentimes they've moved on, they're engaged in something else. And then you can kind of circle back around and say, oh, it looks like you're done. Now it's your turn. Or oftentimes, particularly if your child is a little bit more mature or a little bit older, they will remember, they'll play with the thing a little bit longer and they'll go over and they'll bring it to the other child. And that's what we want to be encouraging, where they actually take it upon themselves to share because you've not forced them to, but because they have that desire within them. If you're going to have a play date, it can be really helpful before the play date to talk to your child about if there's any toys maybe that they have that they are not willing to share. There are maybe two special too breakable, too um, important to them. So that before a friend or playmate comes over, you've already put those things away. And you just have the agreement that if you're not willing to let anybody play with this, we're going to put it away for right now. And we don't have to have a problem with this. And it's important to respect that if your child does have items that are really special to them, that you're going to respect that by kind of setting those aside and not forcing them to share things that might be too special. So I hope that helps answer that question. This is a bigger topic. I could go into it more length and I probably will eventually on my podcast, but I hope that gives you some help, Michael, just in answering the very basic question of should you make kids share? Hey there, parents. Are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home, negotiating, demanding, and generally calling all the shots? Well, then I have a free resource for you called 10 Steps to Get Back in Charge of Your Kids. Just click the link below to download your own copy. Let's get you back in the driver's seat. Finally, my third question comes in from listener Amy, and she writes, My parents are always telling me I need to be more strict with my kids when we visit. It makes me feel stressed out and judged. They're three and five years old and just sometimes are being kids. Other times they are out of line, but I second guess how to handle it and sometimes regret what I do to control them when my parents are watching. Any advice? This is such a great question, Amy, and um, another topic that I have dealt with before when working with clients. This is not as uncommon as you might think. We're dealing with different generations and different perspectives on how to raise and parent your kids. A lot of parents a generation or two ago had a different kind of perspective in terms of how they parented kids. And of course, all children are different. And some children react fine to a firmer hand. Um, And I definitely encourage parenting in a way that is very firm, but at the same time is also kind, is also respectful, is also warm. And sometimes when someone says, you know, my parents think I need to be more strict, I interpret that to mean my parents think that I need to be harder or harsher on them which of course is not something I would encourage. Um, You don't want your children to run around crazy and without any rules or structure. 
or any um, guidance from you either though, because they're not in your home. And if that's fine in your home, that's on you. Um, but when they're in somebody else's home, we do have to respect the space they're in and also the other people and their tolerances. So I would recommend that you are more proactive in how you approach these visits with your parents, that you do um, some things to kind of set yourselves up for success and decrease the amount of maybe trouble you might have versus just kind of hoping and crossing your fingers that things won't go sideways or maybe threatening your child. You know, if you behave this way at grandma's house, then you're going to get this punishment. We don't want to enter into this environment already kind of with this negative cloud hanging over it. So in terms of being proactive, first and foremost, I would encourage you to kind of have conversations with your mother, your parents, I said mother, but you said your parents, with your parents before you go to visit and just find out what the plans are, what they have in mind. Are we just going to be kind of hanging out and visiting? Are there going to be particular activities? Are you going to be sitting down to a meal? What, what is the plan for this visit? And if your parents don't have activities and things to kind of occupy your children, you might want to bring those along or encourage your parents to kind of get a few of those things to have on hand during the visits, or you can maybe provide some things for them to have on hand during the visits. You want to go ahead and make sure that these visits are happening during a good time when people are well rested, like not when they should be going down for a nap or after they're already exhausted from a long day of activities. So make sure that that your kids are going to be in their best uh, mode before you set it up. So when you're making a plan, make sure that it is set up at a time when your child is going to be at their best, your children. And then in terms of when you're about to kind of walk in the door at grandma's house, it's completely fine to talk through what's going to be okay and not okay with your children. Not in a way that feels threatening and menacing, but rather in a way that kind of describes what we're going to be doing, what are going to be okay, what we're going to do for activities and food, and kind of set the stage for what the expectations are while at their grandparents' house. And kind of go over the do's and don'ts. For example, if your parents have breakable objects or their houses are typically not as childproof, just kind of remind them what things they can touch and cannot touch and, and so forth. And then make a plan for yourself for what to do while you're at your parents' house, if things do go sideways, a lot of times parents are kind of expecting us to have this firmer hand and more of a kind of like a fear-based parenting. When they say strict, sometimes that is what they're referring to. So if you're at your parents' house and things do end up still going sideways, even though you kind of set up for success, you've brought along some activities, your parents have them, and you've gone over kind of the expectations of how we behave when we're in somebody else's house, things still sometimes do go sideways. So in those situations, my recommendation actually would be to not try and discipline publicly, but rather to excuse yourself and your child that might be having a problem and take them out of sight of your parents. Your parents might read that as, oh, good for her. She's taking charge and she is um, being more strict with the children. They don't know what is happening behind closed doors. On the same token, your child doesn't feel publicly shamed. So you've preserved their dignity. You've allowed them to be redirected or addressed privately, where they will be less likely to have defenses up. When you kind of remove yourself and your child to another space where you have privacy, the goal now is not to dress them down and make them feel terrible about their behavior. 
It's okay to address problem behavior, but just so much as to say, like, it's not okay to behave this way, but I'm going to give you some help here. I'm going to help you find something else to do. You're going to be spending this time really focusing on reconnecting and kind of taking the opportunity to redirect your child's behavior back towards you, back towards your energy. The goal here is to reconnect with your child in an effort to co-regulate emotions. Kids who get dysregulated and they don't have great ability to kind of control and self-regulate, they need us, parents, caregivers, people whom they're attached to, to kind of help them regulate emotions when they're getting a little bit out of control. That's the goal here when you are kind of privately taking your child aside and engaging with them. Then make that time connecting. Again, it's not about coming down hard on them. It's about reconnecting and maybe even becoming playful again and getting your child to fall into connection and engage with you in a way that's positive. Then you can go ahead and re-enter the social environment with your family in a way that feels more positive again, but then keep your child kind of close. You've turned back on your attachment energy with them, that connective energy. Keep them close so you can continue to kind of direct their energy going forward. And then my other suggestion, if this has been an ongoing problem, which it sounds like it has from your message, your question, Amy, this has been an ongoing problem, then I would encourage you to set, keep these visits shorter so that you'll be more likely to leave on a positive note as opposed to staying to the point where your child has a meltdown or a problem or an issue and you leave and people are kicking and screaming and everything feels very negative and your parents might be more prone to kind of say, oh gosh, it's, it's, it's her parenting. She needs to be more strict in the future. Um, you need to kind of keep your child engaged long enough so that it's a positive visit and then exit quickly so that things are still positive by the time you leave. So thank you so much for these questions this week. I hope they have been helpful to the three of you and you out there listening who might have been in similar situations or have had similar questions on parenting. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one -on -one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media. So take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at the3dparent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on the 3D Parent Podcast.